Our Father, we come to you and are able to call you Father because of the Spirit that you have given through Jesus Christ in us that enable us to call out Abba, Father. You are the one who embraced us. You are the one who called and appointed us to the ministry of reconciliation, to the ministry of proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we have in this world people who are walking in darkness, who need to see the light, those who are in despair, who need to have hope and comfort. And I pray that your word today will go out and bring us peace and call us and draw us to the greater understanding of who you are and closer to you as we walk with you. Be with me, Lord, and may the word that come out uh, be encouraging and be admonishing, but also, Lord, correct and make us into the instrument in which you will use for your glory and for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Today we will look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. If you listen and read the word meek here, I want your thought to go all the way to chapter 11, verse 29, when Jesus says, Come unto me, for I am meek and lowly. Jesus is pointing the people or telling the people to have the same attitude. He wants us to be meek like he is. And meek usually goes with lowly, meaning humility. So meekness and humility goes together. Blessed are those who possess my heart, the heart of Christ, the heart of the Son of God. Meekness is the quality that belongs to a friend of God. Your friends tend to have the same demeanor, the same quality as you, the same outlook, the same perspective. If you are someone who's meek, you probably will look for those who are meek. So meekness is a quality belonging to a friend of Jesus Christ, and that's what he does. We are proud by nature. We are selfish by nature. But as we become a friend of Jesus, when he becomes our friend, we change. Our lives and our demeanor change. Our decorum change as well. That doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get angry. We don't get upset. The Apostle Paul, in many of his letters, he was very upset because people, especially people in the church, are not following the Lord. But then again, you will see that he will dovetail that with the meekness of Jesus Christ. Imagine the testimony of Jesus' love is shining through the people of his church. The church welcomes people. The church is meek. The church opens its door. The church does not throw people out because they dress a certain way or if they have a certain decorum or mannerism. The church is the image of Jesus Christ, lowly and meek, and the church should be a place to welcome them. Now, they come into the church does not mean that they will not change. They will change. We all change into the glorious image of Jesus Christ. So what is meekness? A definition. Meek is defined as enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Meekness is how one responds to injury. Meekness is how you respond to difficult circumstances when it is targeted and directed toward you. Think about Jesus Christ. All the things that happened, happened to him and directed toward him. And how did he respond to the attacks, the injury that he received? There are two parts to the definition. One is positive and the other is negative. On the positive is patient. The way we respond positively with meekness is that we are patient. We wait. When you are angry, when someone says something to you, if you would just pause, breathe, and exhale, give yourself some time, and maybe not think about what was said, but think about the person and why they are saying it, maybe you would not respond the same way that you would if you just respond when you hear it. 
because what you're hearing is their words and not who they are. So meekness is how much patience do you have for the person because they're angry, because they're upset. And so sometimes we need to do that. It's okay. That's fine. On the negative side, how do you respond negatively as a meek person is without resentment. That's how you respond negatively. You don't give them what they, you think that they deserve. So when they say something, when they act toward you in a way that it hurts you, you don't resent them. Meekness is a way of, res- of not responding to the person in ways in which you think they deserve. The Oxford Dictionary adjective is defined as this. Meek is defined as quiet, gentle, and always ready to do what other people want without expressing your own opinion. That's why they're not Americans. So meekness is self-denial. I want to have my ways, I want to respond in a certain way, but meek is defined as I would deny my own benefit, I would deny my rights, I would not do what I think that I'm old, you have your say and now I'm going to have my say, and I want mine to be the last. Um, Meekness is not defined like that, is that you have the other person say and you stay quiet. Meekness is definitely not self-deprecation, you don't try to put yourself down. Quiet does not mean that you are putting yourself down. When Pilate asked Jesus and he did not respond, he just didn't respond. He didn't need to respond. Meekness is preferring the other person's interests before your own. And here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. That's meekness. That's what the Apostle Paul taught the church. We esteem, we put the other people's interests before ourselves. We let the other people eat first. We open the door so that they will come in first. We allow them to have the priority. When someone is pushing you in the back instead of turning around and said, don't you see I'm in line? Well, you can, maybe you should step aside and say, if you like to, you can go ahead of me. Meekness is a, a quality that we need to be actively engaged in it. When someone needs something and it seems like they are out of bound out of their way, it's definitely not the American way, but uh, the Bible is not written for Americans. The Bible is written for the church. And we should respond by putting other people's interests first, even though in our eyes they're wrong. And it would be better for us not to say it. The quietness of our demeanor follows the quietness of our Lord. He was a lamb who was dumb, led to the slaughter. Meekness is the recognition that our pursuit of worldly gain is vanity and vexation. What does that mean? It means that all this will be gone. This is how I respond to things that vex me. And I, my response to it is, you know, one day I will die. And all these things doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it's kind of depressing, but that's the reality. And when your, your mind is there, you will say, well, you know, then while I'm here, can I lead people to Christ? Can my life and my attitude and my actions lead people and at least show people the humility of Christ? Therefore, the meek responds to wrongs with patience and quietness, hoping to bring others to the meek and lowly Christ. We are to show the example and the person and the character of Jesus Christ and the way that we deal with other people in truth, but also in meekness and in humility. Let's talk about the seed of meekness. Where does it come from? Let's look at the two preceding verses, and then you will see why this is the third blessing. So the two preceding verses, Jesus promised the kingdom of heaven to the poor in spirit. Therefore, the poor cries out and be comforted. They're all connected. They're not individual uh, verses. This is one 
sermon. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the poor is promised the kingdom of heaven. They don't inherit it yet. They are promised the kingdom of heaven. When you recognize that you are poor and lowly, then God promised you your, you will inherit the kingdom of God, but you don't receive it yet. That is the initial state of promise. We recognize that we are mortal. We recognize that one day we will die. We recognize that we can be right today, but next moment we can be wrong. We recognize that we are weak and poor and we need the Lord. That's the first step. Blessed are they that mourn. When you recognize that you are empty, that you are poor, that you are hopeless, then you cry out, you mourn, God, who will save me from this wretched body that I am? The Apostle Paul said. The, the crying out will bring comfort to you. Jesus will comfort you. And the second verse says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus will comfort you. But that is the middle state. Now here comes the, the state in which that comfort brings about a change in your life, a change in heart. Blessed are the meek. The meek are those who have been comforted by the humility of Jesus Christ. We then take on his character and become humble. Humility works in us and cultivates in us the meekness that is established in our hearts. So we recognize that we are in a low state. We cry out to God. God comforts us. And through that comfort, the seed of meekness begins to grow in us and we become like Jesus Christ, the stages of the blessedness. As they walk with the Lord, meekness is established in their heart. Behold thy king. Different image of who the king should be. Matthew chapter 21, verse 5. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the fall of an ass. A king is sitting on a donkey and riding into a city. It means that there's peace. He's not coming in to conquer a city. Comes in not to destroy, not to conquer, but he comes in as a king he will serve. He is a servant king. Behold thy king. Your king does not come resemble those who are in power. That's why when people saw him, wait for him to destroy the Romans, to cast them out, but he did none of those things. And then he lamented because he saw their heart. They were looking for someone else. So are we. If Jesus show up today in your midst, would you recognize him? Would you recognize the king of glory if you see him? Have your eyes been awestruck by all the things that you've seen or experienced? Are those people, the character, the personalities that you have seen on on the internet? Are those the image of someone who can save you? Unfortunately, kids growing up today think that that's, that's their savior. Those are their heroes, their kings. Disney is doing a fantastic job creating these images in young people's mind. Heroes are villains, are heroes. Anti-heroes are your heroes. The quality of characters is becoming diminished, and unfortunately, churches are like extolling these things as if contrarian is a new, is a new thing. Jesus Christ is different. Society will reject him. I hope the church will embrace the meek king. Two criminals being parade before the people. One was Jesus, and the other one was really a criminal. And we saw how people reacted. Crucify him, the meek king, and release unto us Barabbas, the criminal. In our society today, we hail the criminal and we crucify the Lord. He's being denounced and derided. This is how a meek king responds. In chapter 12, verse 19, He shall not strive, nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Humility. Meekness is defined in the character and how he responds to the cries and the accusations and the 
persecutions against him. He will not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the street. The meek and lowly king came to die in our stead, and we esteem him forsaken of God. The Lord of glory crucifies the criminal. We want, we want someone else. We don't want him. We want him gone. Meekness is not a virtue that we seek. We want to be boastful. We want to be proud. We want to step on people. We want to be ahead. We want to be on top. That's what the world is telling and teaching us and teaching especially our kids. You want to get on top, you get a better step on people. Better do it now because you get used to it. Otherwise, when you get older, you might be timid and you can't walk on people. Because humanity is too arrogant and there's only one way to get to the top and that is stepping on other people to get to the top. But that's not the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, meekness is not a virtue. Meekness is not a moral virtue. What do I mean by that? Meekness is not a quality in which human can possess. Meekness is a Christian grace. There is no one on earth will naturally possess meekness. They can have an appearance of meekness, but they do not ever have the virtue or the moral virtue of, of meekness. You have to be born again to have the grace of meekness. Meekness is the grace that comes from God. It is not given to man. We lost it. And meekness is brought by the Holy Spirit who indwells in us, bring out those things that are against the flesh. The, the Apostle Paul says, for what I would do, I end up not doing. It's the striving between the flesh, what it wants, and the Spirit of God. For they that walk after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. They are opposite of each other. Meekness is the quality of those who are led by the Spirit of God. Number two, the inheritance of meekness. Let's turn to Psalm 147, verse 6. The Lord lifts up the meek. He casts the wicked down to the ground. The meek inherits the earth. The word earth and ground here is the same word in Hebrew, eretz. But the difference is the way or the method in which one inherits the earth or the ground. The meek inherits the earth. It's given to them. The wicked get thrown onto the ground. Same object is the method in which you inherit it. There will come a time, not now, there will come a time when there is a new heaven and new earth. And you, those who are meek, will inherit that earth, that kingdom that is to come. The meek will inherit the earth. The wicked will get cast down, thrown down into the ground. The gentleness of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence am based among you, but being absent, I'm bold toward you. The Apostle Paul is someone who is, when he's thinking about the church and writing to the church, he's very bold. But when he stands in front of the church, he's very meek. And if you read on to the other epistles that he wrote, they actually don't see him as someone who's powerful, who has the power of persuasion. Very comforting to the church and very comforting to me personally. Because you read the, the letters, he's such a powerful writer. He speaks with such force, cuts to the heart. But then he said, but I'm, when I'm in person, I'm, I'm in your presence, I'm, I'm lowly, I'm meek. The meekness of Christ is shown in his disciples, every single one of them. When they begin with the Lord, they were proud, they were boastful. Peter as a great example. And then throughout his life, you see what happened is he becomes meek. 
And the Lord even says this, when you're young, you go wherever you go, you want, and you do whatever you want. But when you're older, people will lead you, and you follow wherever they lead. The character change to become like Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul's conversion demonstrated Christ's gentleness at work in a man full of rage and wrath. Verse 1 and 2, And Saul, this is before his name was changed to Paul, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, might bring them bound to Jerusalem, meaning to be tried and killed. Saul was not a pleasant man to be with by any means. He was an angry, he's upset. He said that these Christians, they are ruining the Judea vision and version of the Lord's worship. They are following this person. And you will see, he doesn't even know who Jesus was. He had no idea. He just saw the people and he's upset because they don't worship the way that their ancestors, their forefathers worship. They are violating God's law. And remember, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee and chief among the Pharisees because he said, as touching the law, blameless. He is someone who would say, the letter said this, and nope, that's not the letter, so I'm going to put you in jail. That's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was very strict in terms of the letter of the law, and he saw these aberrations in the Judea religion, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these people in prison and kill them. It doesn't matter, you're man or woman, child, doesn't matter. I'm going to just round you up, bring you to Jerusalem. And remember, when they go to Jerusalem, they're in a different judicial system, and they can prosecute and put you in prison. On the way to Damascus to get this order from the high priest so that he can round up the Christians, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. He hasn't got there yet. And suddenly there shined about, round about him light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm imagining the humble king, the Lord Jesus, speaking to Saul. Saul, why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting me? What have I done to you? The human response to this maniac would be, if I'm a man of God, may fire come from heaven and strike you dead, Elijah. That would be our human response. But thank God, you know, uh, all those who are in Christ have a humble spirit and a meek spirit. We don't have, we don't possess this attitude. Instead, the Lord does not deal with us according to what we deserve. He has patience on us. You know, he speaks to us in a voice that would draw us back to him. He suffers our foolishness and conceit. Even though the Apostle Paul was completely wrong, the Lord said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What have I done against you? And then he said in verse 5, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. He doesn't even know who he is persecuting. He was just angry, angry with these people. He doesn't know who. He doesn't have the context. He doesn't know who he's actually persecuting. And the Lord says, I am Jesus. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. Um, imagine the Lord is saying to Saul, Saul, you stop. You're not going to win. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. When two people are in a rage, it never ends well. Someone needs to stop, breathe, and say, 
Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? Someone needs to take a step back and quiet your own storm first and then respond. Saul was clueless as to whom he was persecuting. His anger came from within. It's not because of these Christians that did this. He was in turmoil from within. There was something troubling him from within. It's not the things that are outside that cause you. Those things that are in you will defile you. We will blame people on the outside, but the fact is the thing that's inside of you is what defiling you. The Lord is patient with us, and he endures our foolishness, and he endures Saul's foolishness, and he treats him as a son. Why are you doing this, Saul? We will see that Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the one who's being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 28. Are they minister of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, more measure. In prison, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh from me daily, the care of all the churches. Note the last verse, verse 28. Besides those things, all those things that he named previously, here's the thing that really weigh heavily on him, and that is the care of all the churches. He cares for all the churches. You can see in his letters. Now, if one church heavy enough, the Apostle Paul cares for so many churches, and that's weigh heavily on him. I think more than all these other things. The meekness and gentleness of Christ changed Saul, changed him from someone who's angry and upset to someone who's gentle, who's able to tell you all these things that he's able to endure and also pour out his soul for the churches. The character and temperament of the image of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul inherited. And you can see and read in his, his letter. Imagine the people of God who possess this quality. Imagine the church has just a fraction of what the Apostle Paul is about. Imagine if I have any of these things, the church would be different. Right? The church, then the earth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Verse 1, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye may walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are called in one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The body of Christ is not many, but one in the Holy Spirit. The unity of the body of Christ. They will know that you are disciples when you have love for each other. That's what the Lord said. If we take this next journey together, our church and our churches, take this next journey together, I pray that the Lord's hand will be upon us, unite us, to shape and mold us. We're not hands of an angry potter. We're in the hand of a gentle potter who will shape and mold us into vessels for his purpose. And as he shaped us, the vessel will bear his imprint, his fingerprints. If the potter shapes us and he is a meek and mild and humble and gentle potter, you will become a potter that looks like him. 
please be patient with each other. You bear the foolishness, bear my foolishness sometimes, a lot of times. Let us keep the unity of the Spirit. We don't know. None of us know what tomorrow brings. James says, pray this way, if the Lord's will. I will see you. We don't know. None of us know. And God forbid if we are separated, and one day we don't see each other, you you can be angry with each other in the morning and in the afternoon. You don't see each other forever. That is something that we can never take back. Ezekiel, in the morning I preach, in the evening my wife dies. So make all the efforts to endure each other's foolishness throughout this time and that we'll walk together. The word of the Lord, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, I pray for this church. pray for those who are hearing the call of your spirit, that we stand fast together in one faith, in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, that we'll not be terrified by the circumstances and the things that are happening around us. But Father, I pray that the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the humility, the meekness, and the gentleness of Christ will be our inheritance and our portion in the days to come. That we stand together, that we will walk together in one baptism, one faith, one Lord, one body, in the unity and the bond of peace in your Spirit. I pray that you lead us, Lord, and you guide us, and you cause us to be instruments of your gospel to bring those who have not heard, have not seen those who are broken and hurt, to salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.